0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Amen. Well, now that we've got, you know, Thanksgiving in the books, you know, we've, we've eaten the turkey, we've eaten the ham, we've had the pies... Um, and now we're taking a short little breather to do it all again a month later. Um, and so, and, and then we get ready for the New Year's resolution and, and burn all of that off. And, and there's all of these milestones and moments and all of these different things that we move through. And we call this time the holiday season. And with that, there are all sorts of pressures and tensions and all of that. And sometimes we can just kind of lose it. We kind of lose the focus. And a couple of years ago, um, we, if you're new to Celebration Church, we have seven kids. Cutie and I have seven kids, and, and um, they're ours. They're both of our DNA. And so from, from 26 down to just this week, eight years old. Our youngest is eight years old, just had a birthday. And um, so a couple of years ago, the eight-year-old, the youngest one, she, um, she was walking around the house i um, singing and during the holiday season and she is singing her little heart out and I, we, I hear her singing Kapish Navidad Kapish Navidad and I'm like I didn't have the heart to tell her that she's wrong, because I'm like, I love that. That is totally going to be a sermon series at some point. And I've had it on my list to do. Um, and most of you, if you're, you know, my age or older, you're familiar with the term capiche. I don't know how it fell out of favor. It's a great word. And so a great thing. And so it's an Italian slang word for, do you understand? Do, do you do you know? And so it's like, you know, uh, Christmas is about Jesus, capiche. And so you know, it's this emphasis word. And so as she was singing Kapish Navidad, I'm like, well, this is beautiful. You know, it's, it's as multicultural as it gets. You know, you're blending these languages together. But then this, the heart of it is, do you understand Christmas? Do you get it? Do you get Christmas? And so even though you and I are believers and we hold to the, to the truths of the scriptures... The truth is, is this season can kind of leak for us a little bit too. Um, it can kind of begin to get blurred a little bit for us too. So during this next few weeks, as we are preparing our hearts um, to be able to, to worship and to, and to celebrate the greatest gift ever, uh, we want to make sure we're getting Christmas. And so if you've got your bulletin open, if you've got your Bible app, however it is you're going to track along, um, that we have, are going to lead with this idea that to understand Christmas, um, we must see that Christmas is about God giving to us. The truth is, is that the whole Christmas being a season of giving, um, it's, it's a natural response because this all started with a gift. God so loved that he gave. And so since we're not going to wrap something up and give it to God, it is natural for us to then want to so love our loved ones and friends and family to give. And so it's a natural expression. It's it's a good time to give gifts. And as we're going to see, gifts are a part of even the very first Christmas. It's not bad that that a lot of times that that begins to to be immediately think about that we say Christmas and then we, oh my goodness, what are the lists instead of Christmas? Oh, praise God, God gave to me. Somehow that kind of finds its way in there eventually. But our first response is, Okay, let me find the list. What do we, who wants what? What am I going to get? Am I go, how am I going to have to budget? How much are we going to not eat out so that we can prioritize, prioritize resources over here? And, and, but the, the focus of it is God giving to us, and we want to make sure that we don't lose sight of that. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. I love the way Eugene Peterson put it. He, in the message translation, he says, now I'm afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with his smooth <coughs> patter, that you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. This moment, this season, this holiday is about Jesus and about his love for us and God's expression of his love for us and and connected in Jesus. In fact, the Christmas holiday, holy day, is about worshiping Jesus. That is what this is about. That's the reason it exists. The very word Christ mass. It's about a service, a mass that focuses 100% as every mass should, as every service should, about worshiping Jesus. But here this one is specific about reflecting on God giving us his son. That that is just absolutely amazing, and so many times we get used to this idea of you know a holiday. You know, a holiday is just a day off. A holiday is you know is is in some places a vacation. You know, on holiday and, and being able to go and have a good time. But it's not. It's that's uh, derivative. It goes back to holy day, and we need to remember that Christmas, it's a holy day. It's a time when we, when we take in and reflect and, and celebrate together the incredible gift that God gave us in Christ. And this holy day, it's about worshiping Jesus. Not just thinking about it, not just having him included in the manger scene along with Elf on the Shelf and everything else. And and that's, I don't have a problem, you do Elf on the Shelf. And so, but it's about worshiping, it's about worshiping Jesus. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. And this is the magi, this is the, the wise men. It says, and they asked, where is the one? who's been born the king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. See, the scriptures say that, that even nature dec- declares his glory. It's not surprising then that God would even utilize the, the heavens, the, the celestial bodies to, to begin to point towards something significant that he was doing in the earth and these wise men who were wanting to know what god was up to had a heart to discern what god was up to saw that there was something significant and that there was the star the star that was the star of of the king of the jews and they make this journey holiday travel has been a part of it from the very beginning (laughs) it isn't a new thing this is how it starts and so and they they pack and they load up their camels and they load up their stuff. Now you have to understand our sweet little nativity scenes do not present the full picture of this. These were kings. We three kings of orientar bearing gifts we traveled afar. These guys were kings going to see another king. The guy who's carrying gold doesn't have a couple of gold coins, little quarters for little sweet baby Jesus. This is a king going to see another king. When a king went to bring gifts to another king, he didn't bring just a little sack of of gold. History says that they would bring camel loads of gifts. Camel loads. Not a camel, multiple camel of gifts when one king was going to see another king. So the guy who's bringing the gold is not bringing just a couple of little sweet little quarters for a sweet little baby Jesus. No, they're bringing camel loads of gold, camel loads of, of incense, camel loads of this costly myrrh. And they're bringing these things. This is not a small little, oh, guess what? We saw this. Let's make a little run over here and check out what's happening with this king of the Jews thing. No, this was a costly, big endeavor for them to go because they, and so when they had come with this in mind, we've come to worship him, not to check it out, not to see what the, what the little glowing in the sky is about, not to, to go and find out what's happening here. No, we've come to worship him. They had it in their heart. They were purposed. This is why we've showed up to worship him. Yes, it's going to be things that are not necessarily going to be easy. Yes, it's going to maybe require some extra effort. Yes, it may require some extra planning. It may even require some long-distance travel, but that doesn't take away from a heart of worship. In fact, if it's done with the purpose to worship it can actually accentuate it. A lot of this busyness doesn't have to take away from it. Their planning, their prep, all of their extra loads, the extra camels, whoever else they had to take with them on their entourage to care for these animals, feed them and make the journey, it did not take away from their worship. It accentuated their worship. If we'll just turn our hearts towards worshiping Jesus, every aspect of it, can be an act of worship. Standing in line at Target can be an act of worship. Going and gathering and cooking the meals and all of those different things can be an act of worship. All of the prep, all of it, if the intent is for it to be a moment of worship. Matthew 2.11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. They followed through with it. It wasn't just something they said, oh, we want to worship, we want to. No, they actually took the moment, bowed down and worshiped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Then we see in Luke chapter 2, verse 12 that these kings came to worship but then there were some guys working the night shift working the hard hours in the middle of the night taking care of the flocks because somebody had to do it there were predators out there who would decimate the flocks there are potential thieves and bandits who would come to steal the flocks. Somebody had to stay in the field with the flock. Somebody had to be there with the flocks. And so here are the guys who are on the night shift, who are working the hours that not everybody wants to work. And so the news did come to the, those who were in positions of power and riches and authority. If they're hearts were open to it and they were looking for it the wise men saw it there's part of it but it wasn't just for them it was for the regular blue collar working in the field night shift guys too and here we see in luke chapter 2 verse 12 that the angels of heaven, heaven opens up and the angels could not wait to say something and they're, they're singing and they say this and say, It'll, this will be a sign for you and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now they said this is a sign, you know, and we're kind of used to this, Okay. In, in fact, you know, over the last couple of, over the last decade or so, swaddling of a baby and wrapping them up nice and tight is, is the thing. And so when our first kids were born, you just kind of stuck them in the crib and threw a blanket on them, and that was good, you know. And so that's how we did with Keenan. But by the time Pressy comes along, no, you have to swaddle them and give them in their little wraps and all of that. And so that it just doesn't sound like this something's any kind of strange or weird. It's, of course, that's what you've got. You've got these strips of, of cloth and, and you, you wrap this baby up, baby up and it's lying, it's lying in a manger. But for us, we're so used to the Christmas stuff. A manger is just like a holiday crib. You know, it's just got its own little things. But it's, it's a feed trough. It's a feed trough. It's like saying you're going to find this baby wrapped up in this special wrapping of clothing and they're in a dog bowl. That'd be the same equivalent for us to be jar our minds and hear what they've had, what they're being told. Yeah, that's going to be a sign. What kind of mom's going to stick her kid in a dog bowl? And that this is something amazing. This is something that heaven needs to tell us about. This isn't a neglected child. This is a child that, that is special. This sounds like a child that's, that's, that's being neglected. So that's the sign is you're going to see that. They're like, well, what? Okay, if we see that, we've obviously found the right child. If we find a child in a feed trough, Wrapped in these swaddling cloths. Now, all of our English translations come back to that swaddling cloth. But you look into the history of this, it was actually the same type of cloth that, was that, that dead bodies were wrapped in. It was So here is this newborn baby, alive and well, and wrapped in burial clothes and laying in a feed trough. Like, you find that baby, and you found the one we're talking about and so sure enough the, the heavens close up and, and the shepherd's like let's go find out let's go see what's going on and they leave what they're supposed to be guarding and they run into to bethlehem and sure enough they poke their head into the different places that maybe have a feed trough and sure enough there's one with a new mom and a guy they assumes the dad and a baby wrapped And these special cloths and lying, lying in a feed trough. And verse 20 says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and that they had seen and which they had just, that were just as they had been told. See, here was Jesus, the, the bread of life. There in Bethlehem, which translated the house of bread, This is the birthplace of David, his family. And Jesus would at one point tell a story uh, to communicate exactly how big the Father's love is. And he'd tell a story about a son who everybody hearing the story is saying, This is a punk of a son. Who basically says, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. You're too healthy, you're living too long, I want my inheritance, just give it to me now. So he takes his inheritance and the good dad gives it to him and then pretty quick, he can't stand having all those resources and still being under the the thumb of his father and he leaves and he goes and he blows it. Blows all his inheritance and then he's flat broke and a famine comes in and the guy takes a job slopping hogs which for a Jewish boy was that Jesus painted the worst possible scenario of somebody that, and for a Jew to be able to be doing, having to care for and keep alive hogs. And he's taking these seed pods, and he says he's, he's, he's dumping them out for these pigs to eat. And in that moment, when he looks at those seed pods, And his stomach is so empty, he wishes he could eat what the pigs were eating. As he's dumping feed into some sort of feed trough and wishes he could have that, that's when he comes to his senses and says, you know what, my dad's good to his servants, I'll just go ask for a job. And Jesus uses that moment to communicate how good and loving the heavenly father is. And there, that story is echoing his very beginnings that you and I, for us to understand, we were going to have to receive what was presented in a feed trough. We were going to have to receive something that what the builders rejected, what the rest of, of society had rejected, what was then placed in this feed trough. You and I were going to have to go, that's the bread of life I want it was mirrored in this. The, the whole thing is being spoken of from Jesus' birth. Every nuance, everything. I love God as a storyteller. And he's got all these Easter eggs. And he's got all these things. And there's so much richness and fullness. And that's why the, the Bible never gets boring to me. And we, we see this all the way through here. But if we, if we don't watch it, that we'll let the chaos of the season It'll come in and it will, it'll try to contend. It'll try to contend for our worship. See, at this time of the, of the year, there's, there are demands that are being put on our time, on our money, on our attention. And it, we need to make sure that it, we keep all of those involved because there are demands on our time, our money, and our attention. And if we'll keep them connected to our worship, man, it'll just draw us closer and closer to God. Man, the schedule fills up quick with the holiday parties and the family gatherings and all of the festive stuff that you want to do and don't have time to take in. Man, the calendar fills up fast. Our time, just the demand on that is huge. And, And time is one of those things, that is a vital part of worship. You can't worship if you don't set aside some time to do it. You you can't worship and you can't connect with God if you don't set some moments to be able to take that apart. And so I get it. I get it right now with all of the extra time and the extra money that is required to be able to do all of the stuff we want to be able to do for our families. It's tempting to take the extra shifts. It's tempting to, to be, actually be absent a little extra at this time of the year so that we can provide. But guess what folks, you know what we can't get more of? It's time. We can get more money. We can do that, but we can't get more time. What if we kind of slow things down a little bit? I think there's a desire for it in our culture I thought it was pretty cool this year that a bunch of the major retailers said, you know what? We're taking all of Thanksgiving off. We're not starting all of a sudden Black Friday at 3 p.m. on Thursday. Eat your turkey, choke it down, and walk out in the middle of the football game to start go to to start go shopping. This year it actually was just quiet. I had to get up, and there was a couple of things I wanted to take advantage of, and and uh, uh, one of the local big box retailers did not open till 7 a.m. That was a reasonable time, you know, to open. So you didn't have to be up at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock. They actually let let their employees sleep in to some degree and be able to go in. And I was there. Uh, the rest of my family was sound asleep, but I was there to be able to get what I needed at at, at seven ten. And it was just like a normal shopping day. There was no craziness. There was nobody getting fights. I'm like, is this a real Black Friday? If you don't have to walk around with your pepper spray out, it's not real Black Friday. I'm like, man, this is, this is just like a normal shopping day. I went and got what I needed. There were people at the cash registers, real people. It wasn't just that little self-checkout thing. I was like, Oh my goodness, this is Christmas right here. There's like all the registers open, all of them. I thought most of them were broke. I thought they were just cardboard boxes to make us think that there was extra registers. They just put like stickers and stuff. No, they were open and they like took your money and everything and the people were smiling. It was absolutely amazing. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe everybody's ready to kind of put this in low gear and kind of take this a little more easy. It was so refreshing. Walked in, got what I needed, walked up, had my choice of like three cash registers, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. All right, here we go. Let's take this one. And it was just absolutely, it was absolutely amazing. But time gets, our time gets tapped on so hard. And of course, I'm Our money and our resources, but but we see that this place of generosity is of the holiday season. And if we do it with a cheerful heart, folks, it changes everything. But I think the one that slips the most isn't just our time and our money, but this one of attention. It's one of attention. And a lot of times we have a hard time just being present in the moment. And um, even just what we just, the the songs we just sang, um, I have to worship a little different than the rest of you. You can't all do it this way or it'll be chaos, okay? (laughs) Um, But I um, don't sing the words on the screen most of the time. I'm singing stuff that goes along with the words on the screen. Um, But here's what I have found. I've got responsibilities in this space. And I know these words. I know the songs. I love them and I know them. And here's what I've caught myself doing lots of times. As I'm sitting there and I'm worshiping and my hands are out and the right words are coming out of my mouth and it's on autopilot and my brain is going, what's happening in kids' church? What's this happening? What's going on over here? What's going on over here? It looks like Pastor Brandon's worshiping. Pastor Brandon ain't worshiping in it's been hijacked by my responsibilities and different things. So years and years ago, I was like, I can't do that. How am I supposed to lead people to, be able to do it whenever I'm, I'm not even worshiping? How am I supposed to lead people to worship and I'm not even worshiping? So I'm like, you know what? I want to engage my mind. I'm going to engage my attention and I make my own words up. And so I do that so that I am actively a part and singing things that work with it and do that so that I am fully engaged. Because if I sit there and go into the words I already know, my mental attention drifts. And now I look the part, but I'm not the part. And I don't want that, and you and I can do that. We know how to do Christmas. We've done this a lot of times. We know how to do Christmas, and, and we can begin to get into the motions and begin to do the things and not give our real attention to the incredible fact that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus. He could not stand the thought of eternity without you, so he did everything he did but make up your decision for you. He did everything everything, but choose on your behalf and created a way where there was no way for you to be able to receive the reconciliation that he has provided. And that is what the space in this season is about. Matthew 4, 9, and 10, we see that it's always been about this place of attacking our worship. Matthew 4, 9, this is Jesus being tempted by the enemy and says, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The enemy's always been after our worship, and he'll do anything to hijack our worship. Matthew fifteen seven says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. I just told you that sometimes I found myself honoring God with my lips, singing the songs, and if I'm not keeping my my soul engaged, my mind, my will, and my emotions engaged in it, my responsibilities and things begin to come in. and We can tend to look at this passage of scripture and go, it's all those people over there. It's the people who don't love, care about God. No, this is talking about people who wanted to do the right thing, but just let their worship get hijacked. Romans 1.25 says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. lost my place. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who's forever praised. Amen. This exchange of the truth of God for a lie doesn't stop worship. We're wired for worship. The problem is, is we'll begin to worship something that isn't worthy of our worship. And then that begins to honestly, it begins to tear us down. If we begin to give our worship to something that's not worthy of it, it begins to devalue us. So folks, worship is a response to God drawing near to us. And true worship is not a forced requirement, but an expression of the heart. Matthew 1, 23 says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We celebrate the fact that God didn't stay away. He came near. He wants to be close to us. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. God came near and then brought us near. It wasn't just that, that he just said, Okay, I've come near, now your turn. No, he came near and then brought us near in the blood of Christ. The question is, are we going to receive it? Are we going to say, yes, I believe that you have accomplished it all? Not just you've done your part, now I have to do mine. No, you did all the work. You've completed it. You have accomplished it in Christ. And now I just have to believe it and receive what you have done. Hebrews 10, 22 says, so let us come near to God with an honest and true heart. Let us come near with a faith that is sure and strong. Our hearts have been sprinkled. Our minds have been cleansed from a sense of guilt. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. He has done it. Now, we've cleansed ourselves. He's done it. And our coming near is just turning our hearts towards him. Folks, our bottom line today is this, is to get Christmas, you have to know what you got at Christmas. That is what makes the season what the season should be, is when we are aware of what we received. Enjoy and step into the fullness of what we received. That's what changes everything. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.